look at your work with a loving eye and see all the room that you have for opportunity rather than the mistakes you made. And you'll be much happier as you create. Welcome to the Passion Behind the Art Show. It's all about diving in with individuals to learn the story behind their passion. It's your host, I am extremely excited to have Maggie and Torrios on the Passion Beyond the Art Show, also known as Little Patterns. If you don't know this lady, then something's wrong with you, all right? She's probably the best illustrator on the planet. All right, Maggie, welcome. Hi, nice to meet you. All right, sweet. All right, so let's jump right into it. How did this creative journey start? Um, I, I don't think this creative journey, uh, ever could have gone really any differently. It was just always something that was meant to be. There's never another path for me. Mm. Um, so I, uh, I'm hyper creative. I'm always busy. Like I always, I just keep myself busy making things, trying things out. I'm a serial hobbyist. Like I'm, I'm, I'm never not in motion creatively. So when I discovered illustration, when I was in college, I was just like, that's it. That's the thing for me. That's what I want to do. I just love the idea of uh, crafting worlds that have never existed before and bringing them into reality. Mm -hmm. Um, I I, I got a job fairly early as a graphic designer working um, in a really like cartoon aesthetic that is so different than anything I like to do, but it gave me the, um, the skill set, the business mindset, it gave me all of the really practical real world skills that I needed to take my side hustle, which was illustration and turn it into a business. So I'm wondering, because your work is immaculate. How much marketing do you actually, you know, how much time do you spend on like marketing yourself? Not a lot. Um, Candidly, I, I definitely try to saturate the internet with examples. So I am an avid user of basically every portfolio website in existence. When I hear there's a new portfolio website, I'm like, okay, I'm just going to dump like 90 images into it. Um, so for me, I really just focus on SEO, right? Like uh, I just want, I want it to be like word vomit on every post I put up where you see like botanical illustration, line work, packaging, like keywords that I want just to oversaturate so that my images are the the first or hopefully in the first group that someone sees when they're looking for it. Um, that's, that's my basic strategy, but I've been very fortunate that, that most of my work has been a, a compounding effect of, of past client work that people see and love and get attached to. And they really want that like same exact thing for their brand. And then it's my job to say, well, you can't really have that exact thing, but let's kind of pivot it and make it something of its own. So it kind of grows organically. Interesting. All right. So I know you said that there was never other, there was never another path, but were you thinking about another path at some point in your life? 
Um, I, I toyed with photography mm. a little bit until I realized that I had absolutely no desire to learn the technical aspects. So I, I went into college as a photography major, mm. but basically the second they said like aperture, I was like, I'm out. I have, <laughs> this is like too much for me. I just want to make, like, I really just want to make things and I don't want to, I don't, I, I have no actual interest in learning about this, um, this technology or this mm. beautiful item that I'm holding. Like I really loved the dark room and I loved working with my hands, but I just was not good at retaining information like that. Mm. Um, but you know, it taught me so much about contrast, light and dark, how to build images, how to set the frame so much, so much of a foundation for what my later work would end up relying on that it was um, very pivotal for me, but it just wasn't the path for me. I, I, you know what? It's funny you brought up photography because I feel like the biggest thing photography has done for me is to understand the whole concept. When you're in school, they talk about knowing where the light is coming from. Yeah. And just knowing Absolutely. how to position shading and all of that stuff. That's probably, photography has helped me hands down with that. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think that it, uh, it helps you be able to see mm -hmm. when you can see that an image is balanced versus seeing that an image is unbalanced and you kind of have this like unsettled feeling within yourself, right? Like you can, you can think, oh, God, I wish I could just see like a hair to the left, or I wish that was a little bit higher. Or it's just a, a little bit off. Um, that like unsettled feeling that you get when you really start learning about imagery, mm -hmm. uh, is, irreplaceable when it comes to things like graphic design right. and digital art you just have you have to be you have to learn how to see those things true true so how many different forms of creating design did you go through and what are they before you got to okay illustration what i'm doing now the deep intricacies um i did some painting uh, I started in high school, I was in high school theater and my goal kind of became how many different areas of theater can I touch? So I want to be on stage, but I also want to design the posters for the show and I want to paint the backdrops and I want to do hair and makeup and I want to be the person who is the go-to for costuming. Like it, it almost became a collecting game for me. Mm. And then I found out there was a points system like in high schools across America, um, the thespian society gives you points mm -hmm. for every, every job you do in a production. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I could potentially be in the running for the most points in the country. And that just like took it to another level. It was like, move over lighting guys. <laughs> like <laughs> I need to know everything. So I just, I kind of, I'm an obsessive person, right? Mm. And which I think you probably see in my, my work. It is very obsessive, very intricate. There's never a line out of place. Um, and so it kind of started there, right? Like I, I started as a little bit of a jack of all trades. I got into photography because of that, because I loved people and I loved photographing people. And I had so many friends that were also in theater who are just incredibly expressive and right were great models. And, you know, I, I was taking these like really just gorgeously creative shots. When I look back at them now, I'm like, what a creative 16 year old. Like, I'm so proud of my past self, <laughs> just working with what she had. 
Um, but I think by the time I got to college, got to art school, it became pretty evident to me that uh, the intersection of my interest and my skill set was illustration. Like it was the thing I could do best, um, the most effortlessly. And the goal after that just became, can this be a feasible way to make a living? And at the time, I didn't really think it would be. It took me a lot of years to figure that out. And it took me working in corporate graphic design to understand what um, what freelancers charged and and how you know agencies actually hire illustrators to do right. stuff. Like these things were just outside of my realm of knowledge. I didn't even know that one could do that. I thought, you know, maybe you draw stuff and then sell it. <laughs> like I just I just didn't know. <laughs> so it took it took a while for me to understand them. I totally agree. And one thing about the corporate world, it just kind of teaches you how everything functions, especially for creatives. Mm-hmm. Like who what what a roster is for create for a company. Like all these different things that when you're in the corporate world, how to communicate with clients. Like what's the, what's that corporate speech when it comes to like talking to talking to a client about branding, about marketing, about just creating something for them. Talk a little bit about that. I- I feel like on so many of our, our calls, you know, when we're talking about things like timelines Mm -hmm. and they say, okay, your timeline is four weeks, but what's, what's the turnaround time on feedback? How many stakeholders actually have to look at this? Is this a one day feedback or do you have to send it up to like C-level executives? Tell me what your structure is. I don't even think I would know words like stakeholders or C, like I wouldn't know these things if I hadn't worked in that world and understood frankly how layered the Mm -hmm. corporate structure is and how it everybody in every department you know wants to touch the creative like marketing has to say it's okay social has to say it's okay for some reason hr needs to be in the room (laughs) i don't know why (laughs) these things are are invaluable (laughs) it's so true you know that's the funniest thing i feel like when you design when you create something from a designer's perspective i feel like your project gets touched the most by different people mm-hmm. not copyright because you don't even really touch copy until you actually have to use it for the project mm-hmm. but outside you don't really give necessarily feedback on copy if if you're lucky yeah right, if you're, <laughs> right. so it's, it's funny you said that because so many different people people that don't even know what they're looking at Oh, it's like, you know, you you get to the, you get so high up the chain of command and then someone's like, you know, I just hate to you. (laughs) It becomes like a a whim, but because everyone wants to have Mm -hmm. a little paw in the game, um, you have to know that. So for me, it's, it's really kind of fascinating because uh, my work is mostly floral illustration, which in broad broadest sense of the of the word seems like something that should be very easy to agree on seems like such a pretty thing that like how could it possibly go wrong but I've been in these hilarious meetings of people arguing about orchids or um (laughs) you know like at the worst day of my job I'm so stressed because like no one can agree on the lavender structure you know what (laughs) The grand scheme of things, it literally means nothing, but I totally get what you come from. It's so true. I'm really worked up about botanicals. <laughs> All right. So 
a lot of people see your illustrations, see your work, but who was Maggie as a kid? Who was Maggie? Like, what was Maggie's hobbies? Who was Maggie as a kid? Um, she was great. Uh, I I have an incredibly supportive family. Mm. I feel like I probably come across as someone that had a very supportive family. I just uh, was. My parents were both creatives. Um, my brother is a creative. They. I think they would have been disappointed if I had been a doctor. Mm. I think they just wanted me to to thrive in self-expression. So as a kid, I was somebody that treasured things deeply. Mm. I loved to collect things and put them in memory boxes. And I just really, um, really treasured being a child and exploring the world around me, making things. I, my mom bought me every, well, really she didn't buy me things. She actually really encouraged me to make things first. And then if I could not accomplish what I needed to with the tools I had on hand, then she maybe would introduce a purchased material or purchased item into the scenario in order to kind of level me up to boss level of whatever I was doing. Um, I was also entrepreneurial. I think when I was six years old, I started sewing very, very small pillows, like, like probably doll sized pillows. And I was trying to, I was trying to sell those at school for like a nickel. Like you can get one for 25 cents. I was just always trying to make a buck off my friends. Started making like tote bags. Like I was always trying to sell my friends the things I made. Um, which, you know, is not so different. From That's so different right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's so cool. That's so cool. It's just, it kind of, so what, how would you say you've kind of taken some of that, the, the essence of some of those things into who you are now? I think I have uh, probably like an overload of, of confidence when it comes to creativity. And I was just actually talking about this with my best friend who is a, a mindfulness coach, who's a great best friend have because she taught like it's free therapy um and we were we were talking about the concept of of creativity and luck in creativity and uh, we both agree that there might not be so such a thing as luck mm. but that opportunity and and believing in yourself enough to recognize an opportunity mm. creates luck mm. So a lot of things that have happened to me creatively or opportunities that have been placed in front of me, perhaps I might not have seized if I didn't just have this overabundance of, of self-certainty that I could make that challenge. But it like really excites me and the concept of a challenge excites me or maybe I, I fall asleep thinking about how I can solve that problem. Like nothing in me ever says you can't do that. Mm. It, it it says how can you do that or mm. what are the steps you could take to do that. And I think that is a thread throughout my creative life, which has always been um, supported by people around me, encouraged by people around me, and that has allowed me to build the confidence to just be a very passionate <laughs> creative who I don't know. Sometimes I just fly through the world thinking I can't fail. 
And when I do, I just sort of let it slide off me. I'm like, that's fine. (laughs) It's going to go great. It's just this like terrible eternal optimism, really. Oh, gosh. I'm so there with you. I'm so there with you. And um, (laughs) I'm so there with you. So I have this thing that I, after like just thinking about it and my mom was super supportive. She kind of just didn't think I could do anything. So I have this thing that I say, it's like responsibility creates opportunity. And I feel Mm -hmm. like for people that are super confident, one of the things that they are willing to do is take responsibility in the sense that I can do this. I'm not going to necessarily wait for someone to do it for me. I'm not going to wait for someone to bail me out. or I'm not waiting for someone to come help me. I can do this. And I feel like just hearing you talk and hearing you talk about like your mom basically telling you to make the thing instead of necessary, unless it's like the last complete last resort, she will go buy it. Last time. Yeah. <laughs> she, yeah. It's, it's basically like you're, she's building your responsibility in, in the sense like, I'm, I got to figure this out. I'm going to figure Absolutely. this out. And over a period of time, it just becomes natural. And you don't even think about it. It's just like, this is what I do. I'm going to figure this out. Yeah, there's there's a certain, um, there's a scrappiness element that um, once you train yourself to default to scrappiness or it, the, the television show chopped, if you will, like you've got some weird ingredients in front of you. But if you look at those ingredients and you think, I can't make anything with these. They are so random. There's not any possible way I can do this. Now, if I had, you know, X, Y, Z, maybe I could make it work, but I don't have those things. So I can't like, that's, that's the complete opposite mindset of someone who's scrappy, right? Like the person who has that trained into them sees those items and figures, Oh, I'm so lucky that I have these three (laughs) things. I can probably pull this from, from ingredient A and this from ingredient B and I can deconstruct it and I can rebuild it. Like, Oh, thank God they gave me these and not something else. It, it's just, it really is a complete mindset mm. shift. Facts. Same ingredients, different mindset, right? Like so true. It, it's, it's just everything I believe in. I love it. Ah, oh, this is so awesome. All right. So, how so you know you're an illustrator you're doing your thing like like what are some of the ways that you make some money so um 90 probably 90 percent of the work i do is licensed commercial art Mm. so that is illustrations for primarily product packaging um sometimes book covers i do some things in the, the publishing realm Occasionally, I do some editorial work, uh, things that are going to be used as advertisements online or in print media. But the revenue stream is about 90% artwork licensing Mm -hmm. and then probably 10% on um, uh, like commissions on on goods sold. So things like I have a, a wedding invitation and a holiday card line with Zola. I've got a couple products where I get like a small cut <laughs> of everything. Um, so that kind of incremental revenue, but that is, that is a, a pretty small chunk. Awesome. So for those who've never heard of licensing, 
what's like give give someone like the cliff notes of like what is licensing <laughs> okay um so if i create a piece of artwork let's say i create a, a pattern of beautiful roses mm -hmm. so i'm just sitting in my apartment, home, hotel room, and I'm drawing these roses. And a client comes along and says, um, we love those. We want to put them on our bottle of rosé. And how, you know, how much, how much for those roses? I, the response to that is I can license this image to you. So it's almost like a rental. It's a rental of the work because the, the value of the roses is really worth what someone is willing to pay for them based on what kind of product they are making and selling. Yeah. So if my friend, God, I wish I had a friend that owned a small vineyard. If my <laughs> friend who owned a small vineyard wanted to make, you know, 30 bottles of rosé to give away for the holidays, the value of the artwork to her is not the same as a major manufacturer who is selling this across the country in every grocery store, in every wine shop. So a license is a flexible fee that um, ebbs and flows with the size of the company, the type of distribution, and it's all based on um, the, the value of the product. Correct. Nice. I mean, that, I mean, that it exactly. does. It does. I mean, I just wanted someone that actually is in the field. Of course, I have some idea, but you are in it. You know, inside out, this yeah. is your this is your life. You know what I mean? So I kind of wanted you to kind of explain it a little bit. So what would you say was the hardest thing that Maggie had to overcome? Um, oh, that's a good question. Uh, probably technical knowledge. Mm. Uh, I think and I know a lot of people feel this, which is when you can kind of see in your head or you can see in your brain the thing you want to create, but the work that comes out of you just does not match up. So true. And, oh, yeah. Um, and you know, right? Because you know the only answer is time and practice. And practice makes perfect. And practice makes progress. And you tell yourself, okay, practice makes perfect. But I've been practicing for like a very long, long time. time. And it's still not perfect. I've put in my 10,000 hours. I, right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, Malcolm Gladwell told me that I should be Steve Jobs by now, and I am not. <laughs> so, um, that, that has been hard for me to overcome because I am somebody that has like really big dreams mm. and hard on myself. I'm extremely overcritical. <laughs> I am that person that if I cook you a meal and I oversalt it, I cannot stop talking about and apologizing for the fact that I slightly oversalted something. I hold myself to very high standards. So when it comes to creating something and having it not come out right, that has been very hard for me. Mm. But um, I remember when I got my first design job, I was 20 years old and my senior graphic designer who was above me was 30 years old. And everything that he did, like the fact that he could solve a problem so quickly mm. and the fact that if I had like a technical issue, he could just swivel over to my desk and like press a hot key and then swivel away. And I was like, I've been working at this for 45 
anything else. I had, I had that moment. I remember it so clearly where I was beating myself up about it. And then I thought, Maggie, he has been doing this for 10 years more than you. You've been in this for three months. He has been doing it for 10 years. Instead of seeing him as the, instead of really, instead of being jealous of Aaron, maybe I should see that as an opportunity and think how exciting that by the time I'm 30, I want to be better than Aaron. I want to be able to show him what I know and how am I going to get there? So I think seeing the the joy in the learning instead of the the pain in the in the learning, um, that that was a mind switch that was really important for me. And it was funny, like especially for creatives, like that's probably the biggest struggle that creatives go through, and probably people in general. Like I see Maggie, and I'm like, I want to do what Maggie does not taking in consideration where Maggie was 10, 15, 20 years ago. You're not thinking about it. You're just like, you see, you know, you see Steve Jobs, you see Malcolm Gladwell. And he's like, I want to do this. I want to write a book and I want to become a New York Times bestseller in this moment. And you have not seen where they were when nobody knew they even existed. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's, especially now with social media, that's not like the society we live in. It's just like, I want to do this. I'm going to be an illustrator. So now I'm going to be able to create amazing snakes like Maggie. Oh yeah. Snakes are very hard though. (laughs) Exactly. That's why I said it. Like, I feel like that's one of the hardest things. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, I think sometimes I mourn people that are starting out in this industry now because I think it would be really intimidating and very heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. And I say that regretfully. Um, I think it's unfortunate that, that in order to create now, you also have to create and then hope for positive feedback mm-hmm. from a wide network of people. Um, and I, that, that's not something we can change. That, that, right. That's kind it's of here, here to, to stay. stay. <laughs> that's what we're living. But I, I did have a glorious pocket of a few years just before social media became a thing for artists. And those few years were the most pivotal ones mm. because my access to learning was from things like books, like the, the things we take for granted, um, I, there was a, a library that I love to go to that sold basically like the beat up versions of art books mm. outside of the library for like really, really cheap. And I bought books that were like the works of, of Gustav Klimt and Edward Munch and all of these, um, all of these painters and illustrators that, that was my internet, right? Mm, like I, right. I, I had I don't know, 200 pages, maybe 200 pages for a couple of years where that's where I drew inspiration from. Not, I didn't have this like complete oversaturation of content. And, you know, the second I draw a flower, I post it online and I see 900 people who draw flowers way better than me. And then I feel bad about myself. I didn't have that. And I feel really sad for that. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think it inhibits 
the the joy of creating. Right. I think you can enjoy the creating, but the second you put it online or the second you uh, kind of put it up against, you, you pin it to that critique wall that is the internet, it's so much different than pinning it to a critique wall with 15 classmates. It's true. You're pinning it to the world and, and the world is a really big place and you probably feel a lot more like you don't stack up, right. which is really sad. Mm-hmm. So it's a great place for making connections, but that com- the com- comparison thing is really heartbreaking for me. Yeah, it's it's it it is tough, and I feel like um, at some point we all went, we've all gone through it. Um, but I feel like, as you said, it's it's here to stay. And I'm always fascinated with like certain people. How are they able to like look past? comparison um because how my mind works is like when i see maggie's stuff i'm like that's amazing that's cool i really like to do it but then i'll literally scroll all the way down to probably like your first post and i'll be like this makes sense there it is there it is that's literally what i do to almost everyone that i i I admire and stuff like that kind of gives me perspective like there's a reason why these things look so amazing. Partially, she's a little mm-hmm. bit obsessive with it, but you know what I mean? She's also like been doing this for she's a long time. You're like, oh, she's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do that too. I do that too. And and uh, I don't, to, to kind of answer your first question, which was probably more rhetorical, but I, I don't think you can get over comparison. I think we all do it. Um, I think you do it at every single level. I know you do it at every level. Um, because when you when you get what you once wanted, you want the next thing up. It's just how you want it. It doesn't stop. That's how we're, that's exactly how we're wired. But um, yeah, like you said, you don't really see the effort that goes into that next step up. But it's often because you're in it. And it's really hard to see the progress you're making when you're halfway through or 10% of the way in. Um, but I do love doing that too. I, I, I find a lot of sat, like maybe even sick satisfaction in, <laughs> in looking at old work and thinking like, oh my God, that this progress can truly only happen with, with time. So true. Um, so true. Yeah. yeah. So true. So true. I, wish, I wish there was an easy button. There's it is not. A- there's not there's there's not it's like you do you do your ten thousand hours and then you do another ten and then you gotta just keep going and then you my favorite is like um the classic sort of like hey what brush did you use for that <laughs> it's like literally does not matter what the brush is I hate to break it to you so true just in case anyone is wondering i use the built-in brushes i've got what i need in life i that's it. Well, there you go, guys. It's just that simple. There's, there's, there is some skill, guys. There is some skill. Oh, certainly, <laughs> certainly. But like, my niece asked me. Oh gosh, I forgot what she asked me to draw. Oh, it was my nephew. He asked me to draw a Tyrannosaurus Rex a couple weeks back, and we were at his chalkboard, and I was like, no problem. So I grabbed the green chalk and the thing that came out was in no way 
a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Even the kid looked at me and was like, <laughs> "What's that?" And he's he's like two and a half, three, and he he looked at me like, "What have you just done to my chalkboard?" You know, these things don't just pour out naturally, right? Like I need to sit down and probably work for five hours before something is even past the point of being laughable. Like it 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 takes some time. I cannot draw a Tyrannosaurus Rex just from my brain. Things don't happen from my brain. Um, There is certainly a skill level involved, but a lot of that skill is research Mm -hmm. and messing up and re-rendering and using a very critical eye to assess whether something actually looks good or bad. And if it's bad, you need to be responsible and fix it. Mm. That's what I tell myself. It's true. There is also some gifted going on in there. Because, like, I just feel like I don't see anything like yours. And the reason why I asked you if you market yourself is because I feel like you're one of the few people that, and I didn't know this. I just felt like this. Um, and I'm glad when I asked you that, you, I got that answer. It's like, you're one of the few people that your work speaks for itself. Like you put your work out and someone sees the work and you don't really need to do like any much pushing. Like your work speaks for yourself. Like this is amazing yeah. work. How can I get this person to do this amazing work for me? <laughs> That's, that's really kind. Um, that is what I strive for. So it's validating to hear that. Um, I, if you can't tell, I have some issues with (laughs) with social media and the responsibility of being both a artist and also like a caricature of a person, um, online. I feel like I, I hold that part of myself pretty sacred to the people in my life that I love and know personally. Um, I never ever want to be the the friend that talks about work in a group. Like I don't want my friends to value me for my followers. I don't want my friends to like, I, these are just things that I just don't like. Um, and, and the pressure of having to build that persona, which is something that has to be done. I sort of find myself actively, uh, actively fighting a little bit. I'm like, how short can I make this caption? (laughs) How can I just let the work be the work? And like, maybe I'm just like the peanut gallery or the the Muppet sitting in the balcony that, um, I don't know, maybe I'm just the bonus that comes along with the work when you work with me, but I I really kind of, it it is my job. Like I, 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 I'm passionate about my job, but it is a job, yeah. right? Like it's it's not my entire being. Right. So like I think that really helps with comparison as well. Because if true. you can get yourself to the point where you don't um see all of your value in your work success, right. like that's a really healthy area to be that um working on every day. Uh but it's definitely something worth striving for. So true. It's funny you say that. Like one of the things I always say is like right here, us standing here, if no one knows what we do, we are enough. Like we're awesome Absolutely. just like how we are. Right? Like we're just awesome. Like the work we do, all that other stuff is just like icing on the cake. Like we came out the womb awesome. Period. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if the more we understand it as people, the more you understand about yourself, it's just like, okay, 
I could become a great illustrator. I could become a great designer, right? But I'm still like Maggie, Daryl. Yeah. I'm still awesome. Period. The, I find a lot of value in. Um, rarely do the people in my life send me images or send me things that say, this reminds me of your work, or this reminds me of, you know, your art, but they send me memes that are like of Janet from the good place. And they're like, this is exactly you. Or like from Schitt's Creek, both of those kids, they're like, did you know do the same hand motions as both of these people? Oh, like the people in my life, the way that they see me is through the lens of my personality um, not through the way they perceive my work to define me. And that's a beautiful thing. Although sometimes it's a little iffy because the people are like, I'm the weird one on the show. Great. Thanks for telling me. <laughs> yeah. So true. But you know what I mean? Like I see Megan, I was like, she's an awesome illustrator. Then I found out like we both got a van. I'm aspiring to like go on, hit the road. She has been on the road and I'm like a little bit, a little bit jealous, but at the same time, like, now I can, like, once I found that out, I kind of kicked. Now, not kick it, but it just kind of took the interest level to a different level. Like, I saw, okay, like, now it's, like, more about, like, the things we're doing in life versus, like, oh, you can draw, I can draw. That's cool. You know what I mean? It's just, like, now it's, like, okay, what are we doing in life? Like, she's doing, she has a van. She's been on the road. What is like being on the road? What is it like being on the road for a year, Maggie? Drawing and driving. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's that. I, when you, when I saw your first van picture, I was like, oh my God, there's another one of us. <laughs> um, yeah, my, my husband and I have had a van for, uh, I guess, two and a half years at this point. Um, he was working in automotive. So he worked as a marketing director for one of the major automotive manufacturers out in Chicago. And I had been doing my illustration thing for a couple of years, um, working from home, working for myself. And um, Adam, my husband, was really burnt out from from work, like so many of us are. Um, he just kind of like had had ceased to have any joy left in what he did. And we kind of looked at each other and we're like, we are so young to be feeling this much burnout. And, um, we had just gotten married and he was getting home from work at like 10 o'clock at night, leaving for work before six o'clock. We were seeing each other like maybe nights, weekends. And he was very tired, like way too young to, to be living that way. And, um, I kind of always say that like, once you've taken one one great leap of faith in your life, you are so susceptible to continuing to take leaps of faith. You're like, I landed last time. I will land next time. It, it, it's a danger. It's a dangerous game. <laughs> it's very you just feel like you can accomplish anything and be okay and land on your feet. So, um, Adam, who is very into vehicles, he, he was, he just like came to me one day in February three years ago and was like, I want to buy a van and I want us to live in the van. And I didn't even know what van life was. This was not my area of the internet or the world. And I was like, okay, sounds great. Is it going to make you happy? 
sounds wonderful. Wow. Um, and that's what we did. Uh, we had the foundation to do it because both of us had been working really hard for several years. And we initially intended to basically take like a, a gap year mm. where Adam could just sort of decompress from, from his work and I would continue working. But, you know, we were going to be working on one salary different than it had been before mm-hmm. where he was the primary breadwinner. And, um, and we just decided we would try to make it work. And if it didn't work in a year, we could reassess, but, um, his marketing background ended up being very helpful <laughs> in what we do now, which is we work together. Nice. Um, and Adam handles all of the business from the road. So he does all the client negotiations. He, um, yeah, he basically does all the typing, <laughs> right? Like anything that involves typing and I do all the drawing and we're able to, well, we pre COVID, um, we were, we were just living on the road for, uh, about a year and a half and loving it. Um, it was totally different than I didn't, I don't really think I had any expectations because I'm, I just went along with it. I barely did any research beforehand. I just figured I'd figure it out. Um, while we were doing it and, and we did, (laughs) um, We've been to, I think, 46 states together wow. in that time. We just like booked it. Like it, we just decided to make the most of it. And um, I've drawn from some really weird locations. <laughs> I've like been holding my phone up to the sky, praying for Wi-Fi or internet connection. Like oh it's been God. really funny. Like it's, it's very funny um, working from, the road and like taking client phone calls while praying, trying to pretend I'm not in a vehicle that I also sleep in and I'm not sitting on the box that the toilet is located under. Like, you know, it's very humbling and, and exciting and uh, makes life feel like a little bit more of an adventure every day. Like you've literally created an adventure every day yeah, for absolutely. a year and a half. Yeah. And um, we, have plans to continue. I think that the style which we travel is changing. Mm. Um, for the first year, work was extremely difficult. Mm. Like my job went from being pretty, pretty easy. Uh, I, I knew what to expect every day when I woke up. Um, there weren't really many surprises. It went from, from that to basically like the exact opposite, which is like, how, how can I possibly accomplish what I need to accomplish? It is nine degrees outside. I don't have internet connection. Like we're stuck in the mud and I have to be on a a client call. Like it, it just like every single thing about having a job had a little bit more of a hurdle and an obstacle to it because of the way that we were choosing to live. Mm. Um, So I think we're going to, we're sort of migrating a little bit to like longer amounts of time in less places rather than like being on the road every single day, which, um, just the, the inability to have any structure got kind of difficult. Wow. That's definitely what we're planning to do. Like spend a long time in a specific place, then move. But man, that like, like this is like a whole nother conversation at some point. <laughs> at some of the points when you're not too busy, I would just love to like talk to you about this. I have so many 
pins that I can drop for you for great spots all over this country. Oh, oh, that's so amazing. Just to let you know, my wife, this was my wife's passion. Like this has been her passion. Like she's been on YouTube just going crazy, driving all of us in the house crazy. And she's like, I want to do this. I want to do this. I want to do this. We got a van and we've had this van for almost two years. And within, like, we were just like struggling along whenever, because I, I was the person that was working at it. And whenever I was, got a chance, I would do it. COVID happened. And she was like, I promise you, it looked like she put on an army drill sergeant suit. And she was like, listen, we are getting this done. And she was Good. a straight up drill sergeant. And she was, <laughs> go, 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 go. It, we're almost done. It, uh... It's, I cannot tell you what a great COVID wagon having a van is. Like our friends had a baby um, and they're like eight hours away. And it enabled us to see the baby because we have like a little quarantine mobile. Oh my God. Like we, we can be off the grid. We can, you know, spend some time away from civilization. Mm. We've got our, everything we need with us it's like we're a hermit crab that makes us feel really really safe and like we can actually visit people and not have to um impede upon like their comfort in any way because we are self-contained like that it, it i i kind of have said a couple times like doesn't it just seem like it was meant to be that we had this during this time like this right. access to so true that so many people want yeah so true sometimes when i think about those conversations we had three years ago i'm like it was all for this, for this. like it was so we had this yeah because yeah. now that we are almost done december 15th is my did my deadline no matter what right. we're done and we're ready to go but it's just like now that you say that like now that we have the bus it just feels like there's nothing that is hindering us there's nothing no shutdown right. nothing that happens that we're gonna feel like we're in a box and we're stuck no, you, you literally get to get out of the box and be in places where you you don't see any other people and you don't feel like you're in the middle of this crazy stuff. Oh my gosh. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm just this. so I'm so excited now because I haven't done it yet. And you're talking about this because you've been there. <laughs> like I want to get there so bad. So bad. So yeah. bad. So cool. December 15th is not that far away. Do you nah. have a name for your so we have a name. And this will be the first time I'm saying it. Maggie got it out of me. Awesome. So we've watched this movie called Togo. It's about a dog that, that you know, this phenomenal dog. You got to see the movie. But my kids got me to watch this movie. And they have all adopted. We're going to name this van Togo. So we're probably going to add another word to it. But um, it's Togo. It's a phenomenal dog. Yes, yeah, a phenomenal dog that was able to take mail through the through the storms, the blizzards, and so I I get the whole concept of where it's coming from. That's a really beautiful name because it's also like to go. Yeah, like the ability to go anywhere. Yeah, indeed. That's indeed. great. <laughs> indeed, so true. All right, so let's get into some other questions before we turn this into a van life. Uh, 
episode. <laughs> and then I'm, I'm going to let you go. All right. What is that thing that Maggie can't live without that's not her phone? Um, I must have a to-do list with me at all oh. times. Wow. Um, I, um, my favorite is the action book which mm. is, uh, I think it was made by Behance like years ago. Mm-hmm. And I bought up tons of copies of it in case it ever gets out of circulation. It's just, to me, it's like the perfect to-do list planner. So mm. I, every single day, write down everything that's inside of my head, everything I have to do that day, that week, that month, um, because the accountability of having it on paper means it can free up my brain for the rest of the day because I know that it's accounted for, that I won't lose track of it. And I can go about doing whatever I need to do, knowing that like the book has it handled and will keep me accountable. Nice. That's something I aspire to. I aspire. <laughs> but Literally struggling. always. Yeah, it was like literally, guys. For those, you need to write down right now, really. But I'm holding a pencil and I've got a book. I'm just like, exactly. Ready. She literally has her to-do list right in front of her. If I have a leading thought, I just want to be able to make put it down. You know. Amazing. All right, book recommendations. Um. Oh, I honestly did not think about this one. Um. I don't read as many art and business books as one would expect. Mm-hmm. I usually try to go for um, a little bit more inspiration material. So I love, love fiction. I love storytelling books. Um, uh, I really like John Krakauer books, Mm. really like mountaineering, adventuring things that are just completely different than my life at all. Um, So I guess, well, my Probably my favorite book ever is Into Thin Air by mm. John Krakow. It's about the 1996 Mount Everest expedition that went horribly awry. Right. And I love just reading it from the comfort of somewhere warm that isn't Mount Everest. Um, I just love letting my mind wander. And I love um, hearing stories about people overcoming adversity. That's literally why I started this podcast. I love to hear yeah. stories. I love to hear stories. I love people's stories. It's no other reason, but um, to to hear people's stories. I mean, that's what it evolved into. Absolutely. All right. So, what's the first hour of your day like now with COVID? It it's different now, um, but <laughs> I guess I have to start by answering what it used to be like. Sure. So let's do it. Every single I have to. I mean, I need one cup of coffee in my hand the moment the moment I wake up. And then um, my husband and I usually go for a, a walk or like a decompression walk mm. where we air our grievances about anything happening in life. Um, we have the opportunity to talk to each other about anything we're worried about, anything we're excited about, um, game plan for the day, game plan for the, the days ahead, drink our second cup of coffee, it's just like game plan hour. Um, these days it's a little different. Um, we just were fostering dogs right now. (laughs) So the last month of my life has been like waking up in the middle of the night several times and like checking on the puppies. They're like, they were new. We got newborns. 
Um, and uh, that has completely shifted everything. Like all of my mom friends are laughing at me so hard all the time because I'm like, boy, parenting really is tough. <laughs> and they're like, you have dogs, like <laughs> try humans. Um, but it's really, I'm, I'm just one of those people who got like a dog in COVID, but instead I decided to get a pregnant mom dog and three puppies because I wanted a challenge, I guess. But, um, <laughs> but it also, it's just given me so much like pure joy right. and lightness and the ability to find joy during the middle of the day. Or if I'm stressed about something, I realize that it's not that big in the grand scheme of things mm. and that there are other, there are living beings that wag their tails when I walk in the room and are right. excited to see me. And I sort of let go of that. It's like really good for, for mental health. I'll tell you that much. So yeah, my mornings are basically like holding puppies for an hour. And for those who have <laughs> not seen Maggie's puppies, I'm not even sure oh if yeah. these puppies are like, they're like real because they're like the, the most, the They'll make anyone who doesn't like dogs or don't want to have a dog want to have a dog. Because these things look so perfect. And then on top of it, they're white. Like how much more perfect can it can it can can it get? They're cute. I I keep I also realize now I keep saying that I've adopted dogs as if anyone even peripherally in my life doesn't know that because I talk about it all the time. So I say it to you as if, like, surprise, I have this fun fact. <laughs> Very obvious. No, but you did remind me because, like, every time I see these dogs, I'm like, like, are these real dogs? Like, they they look so, like, just perfect. They're perfect. <laughs> just the best thing that ever happened in my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. The so. mom is and I'm like learning dog sign language really? to try to communicate her. I'm just, this has just been a really great activity and a good lesson in selflessness. Mm. That's so cool. So what made you get dogs? They needed us. Um, oh, okay. There've been all these fires in California mm -hmm. and uh, one of these big fires came raging through and um, uh, an illegal puppy mill was in the path of the fire. So they, ended up surrendering hundreds of dogs that were in like really rough shape. And some of the dogs that need homes the fastest and the most, uh, the most necessary animals to get into safety are, are pregnant mom dogs because they can't, um, they can't, you know, they have to have sanitary conditions to have their babies. So it just was kind of a no brainer for us. Like if, if we were needed and if the opportunity was available, of course we were going to, make every effort possible to help them out. So not only is she creating amazing um, illustrations, she is saving dogs. What? She loves puppies. <laughs> Fun fact, she loves dogs. <laughs> so I hope you listeners realize that there's more to Little Patter than these amazing illustrations. Just so much more, so much layers, so much layers, which is kind of just a... Uh, this is an illustration of her, her illustrations. So many oh, layers. Wow. So many so many layers. So many layers. Um, so what's next for Maggie? If there is anything, what's next? Um I uh I've been feeling kind of stale lately, aesthetically. Mm. Um, I had a really, really I'm gonna 
I had a long year, mm. <laughs> the understatement of the century. Um, yeah. We all had a long year. Right. We all had a long year. Uh, but I think a good thing to come out of this pandemic is that it told me that I was not living my life in a sustainable way. Mm. I was putting way too much of my energy into my work, um, hence the getting of dogs. Um, it, it taught me that I was getting too much value from my work and I needed to step outside of that and um, reassess. Nice. And I think a lot of us are there right now. Everybody's mm -hmm. sort of reassessing. Um, so uh, had a lot of great projects this year, very fulfilling work-wise. But at the end of the day, I was like, oh, I've done all this fulfilling work. Why am I not happy? Mm. <laughs> why, why don't I feel that spark? So um, what's next for Maggie is trying to kind of get that spark back. I'm trying to like return to the childhood joy of, of crafting and creating and um, experimenting without expectation. Right. So I'm going to be painting. I'm going to be outside. I'm going to be reading books. Um, I'm on a little bit of a mini sabbatical right now. So I decided to take off for the rest of the year, basically not sign on any new clients and take that time to just freely experiment. So that's where I'm at right now. It's amazing. The envy of us all. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, to me, it's it, like, it's risky. It's a risky business move. I'm not going to lie. Like right. two, two months off of work is, is um, sounds like a luxury, but like, yeah, we're, we have to make it work, but right. I think it's going to pay dividends in the future because the time I take off now and the loss of whatever potential income now, I think will be made up for in years to come when I'm able to benefit off of the time I took now to um, learn something new. It's all about perspective. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Nice. So what advice would you have? You've dropped so much knowledge, just given so much insight. <laughs> um, what advice would you have for any creatives out there? Um, I think the advice that I would have wanted to hear at a certain point in my creative journey was that um, you don't have to struggle to be an artist. Like you can, you can find joy in the work that comes out of you naturally mm. and the way that you personally want to express yourself and you're allowed to feel joy while doing it. Um, you don't have to, you don't have to be a tortured artist. Mm. Like you can, you can follow the thread of joy, not the thread of pain and frustration. And I know that's sort of a lofty statement, but what I mean by that is, um, try to look at your work with a loving eye and see all the room that you have for opportunity rather than the mistakes you made. And you'll, be much happier as you create. Um, I think that would have been really valuable to hear. Like instead of instead of fighting to be something that I wasn't yet, you know, to to really right. see joy in what I could become. Kind of enjoy the journey. Yeah, you really have to. Mm -hmm. You have to, right? Like it's um that that's what makes life worth living. So true. So on that note, where can people go to find you? Learn more about all the stuff, the five people that don't know you exist. Where can they go to find you? 
well. I'm across the internet as Little Patterns. Um, I also have a secret chicken wing review page, which you can look for, and I won't tell you the name of. Um, <laughs> because you have to just have hobbies. So many layers. So many layers. Because oh if I was traveling around the United States, I had to pick one food to review across the United States. Of, of course. course. Of um, course. If that's not on the you, list of traveling, you shouldn't be traveling. No, you have to. This is my biggest, this is my biggest van tip for you. You must find a single item to review in your travels. I, Do it I, as a family. Like the perfect activity. I already know what it is for me. I'm hoping that everyone will join it's, in. It's burgers. Burgers, of course. So good. Great choice. Perfect choice. Um, yeah, you can find me online at Little Patterns. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, hopefully if you just like Google a random assortment of words like Maggie Botanical Flower Illustrator, like I should pop up right away if I've done my job correctly. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, Maggie, this has been amazing. It was well worth so, the wait. Yeah, absolutely. It was really, really, really nice to connect with you. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. I hope it's been super valuable to you and you're now ready to take your audience building, your community growing to the next level to help you and help me build our empire, for lack of a better word, or just to build our thing. Um, remember to stop by iTunes, Passion Behind the Art, and leave a review and subscribe. It's very important to me. It helps the podcast grow, and it makes me feel good to kind of hear from you guys, to know what you like about this podcast, what it's done for you. So jump on iTunes and subscribe and leave a review, Passion Behind the Art. Be blessed. <laughs>